I went to bed and um, wasn't feeling too great inside my, in my in myself. And in the dream, my mother came in to me in the dream, and she died um, maybe ten years previously. She seemed to realize that I was going through struggles, and she said, "It's going to be okay. It's all really going to be okay." She said, "Just just let it be." And woke up and thought, "What was that? What? What did she say?" Let it be, and then I sat down at the piano and wrote the song. Good morning, church. The gospel, according to the Beatles today, says, let it be. Let it be. You heard those great words McCartney wrote, when I find myself in times of trouble. Mother Mary comes to me. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. I mean, we've all had those times of trouble. Maybe, maybe today is that day. Maybe that's why you went, I gotta go to church today because it's, it's just not working. And maybe as you heard that, at least for me, I can't remember how it was the first time I heard let it be, but I, I do remember thinking, are the Beatles Christian? Are the Beatles Catholic? I mean, Mother Mary, clearly this is the, the Virgin Mary coming to, to speak words of wisdom. And then it was only probably just during the pandemic when I watched Carpool Karaoke. <laughs> the gospel according to James Cameron, right? When I watched Carpool Karaoke and he told this amazing story. Now the background of the moment is when this song was being written, the Beatles didn't know they were about to break up. I mean, the Fishers were there in the group. They were beginning to feel the tension. Some of their escapades were starting to go awry. Some of the, some of the businesses they started were, were losing money hand over fist. They were starting to quarrel more. That, that unity they once had had disappeared. When I find myself in times of trouble... You ever had that moment where you just were there? You were, you were in, I mean, when we're in times of trouble, it's hard to think clearly. It's hard to remember that we are actually loved by God. It's hard to, it's hard to sleep through the night. I mean, in times of trouble, we just, we need a voice to come and speak to us words of wisdom. And it was then in Carpool Karaoke where he told that story, the rest of the story. He said, I had a dream in the 60s. Things were crazy. My mom, her name was Mary. She had died. She came to me. She reassured me. It's going to be okay. Let it be. Don't we all need that voice in our life? It's going to be okay. Let it be. Watch the rest of the conversation from Carpool Karaoke right after they had said. That's great, man. You're telling you that's the power of music. It's weird, isn't it? How that can do that to you. Well, I can remember, I can remember my granddad, who's a musician, mm. and my dad sitting me down and saying, we're going to play you the best song you've ever heard. And I remember them playing me that. Really? If my granddad was here right now, he'd get an absolute kick out of this. He is. It was about day 21 on the Camino uh, this summer. I was walking and uh, 
you know, well into the rhythm of the Camino. I was leaving that morning, a beautiful town, Astorga, Spain, beautiful cathedral, great quaint little town. As I walked through that town, you know, just getting going, it's early in the morning, I looked up and there was uh, a billboard. Now I'd seen these billboards in other places in Spain. They were kind of painted billboards on the side of buildings and they were men and women kind of just doing their life, you know. And there was one a couple days I'd seen before a guy and I thought, that's a member of our church. That's Larry. I think we have that picture. That's Larry. I said, that's, that's Larry. I even sent Larry the picture and said, Larry, you're looking over me in Spain. But that very morning when I was walking through Astorga, I looked up and I went, that's Bill Anders. That's my dad. My dad had been dead for 15 years and I didn't have the peace of mind to take a picture that day. But I remember thinking, thanks, dad. Thanks for being with me on the Camino. Thanks for whispering words of wisdom. You're going to make it. Let it be. There's an echo in our gospel that sounds just like this in the story that's so familiar to us. It comes from Luke chapter 1, and you'll recognize the story, Luke 1.26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. What an interesting moment. I love the message translation of the rest of the text. It says, Mary's response was confused and disturbed. I mean, sometimes, we, I mean, haven't we all prayed that prayer? God, wouldn't you just speak to me? Life would be so much easier. And then God speaks to us. And sometimes our response is, that can't be God. Right? Confused and disturbed. Mary tried to figure out what the angel was talking about. Don't be afraid. You know that's coming. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her you found favor with God. You will conceive. You'll give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high God. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, who will reign for is over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary's response was, cool. <laughs> no. That's not how Mary responded. I mean, she's receiving this amazing challenge, and Mary's response in this moment is, how could this be? I mean, how, how could you call me to do this? Again, so often, God, if you just would use me somehow, and God puts an opportunity for us, we go, now? <laughs> now? I'm a teenager. Now? Not now, God. I got kids in school. Now? Not now, God. How could this be? I'm still a virgin, she says. The angel replies, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of God will overpower you. And the one will be born will be called the son of the most high God because nothing is impossible with God. And we don't know how long it takes for Mary to respond. She, she has a chance to say, I'm in or I'm out. She has a chance to use her agency in this moment. God is asking, will you? And it's kind of a let it be moment. I mean, let it be can mean <laughs> let it be. I, I'm not touching it. <laughs> let it be. I, I'm getting away from it, actually. 
just leave it alone or let it be can be, I'm stepping into the possibility. Let it be. Here's Mary's response. This is Luke chapter one, verse 38. Let's put it on the screen. Let's read her response from the New King James Version. Read with me if you would. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. She says, look, here's the deal. I'm your servant. Let it be. I'm your servant, let it be. Mary says, look, I'm your servant. Of course I will serve, of course I will lead, of course I will step into the possibilities. Let it be. One of my favorite authors, Rachel Held Evans, writes this in her last book, Wholehearted Faith. I'm more aware than ever of the startling and profound reality that I am a Christian, not because of anything I've done, but because a teenage girl living in occupied Palestine at one of the most dangerous moments in history said yes. Wow. Wow. Let it be. Let it be. We are all called to serve like Mary. We are called to love others like Mary. We are called to step into the possibilities in front of us. We're called to surrender. Mary said, let it be to me as you have said. Again, Rachel Held Evans goes on to write, Mary's let it, let it be was a, was a yes to God, a yes to whole, a wholehearted call she would not possibly understand. It was a yes to vulnerability in the face of societal judgment. It was a yes to the considerable risk of pregnancy and childbirth. It was a yes to clogged milk ducts and spit up in her hair and hundreds of middle of the night feedings. It was a yes to scary fevers and learning as you go and all the first century equivalents to bad advice from WebMD. <laughs> it was a yes to a vision of herself and her little boy on a mission that would bring down rulers, lift up the humble, would turn away the rich and fill the hungry with good things that would scatter the proud and gather the lowly. If you don't believe that, read the rest of the chapter. And it was a yes to a life that came with no guarantee of her safety or her son's. Wow. If you get nothing else today, this last quote of Rachel Held Evans just, just rocked me as I read this story. On the days and nights when I believe the story we call Christianity, I cannot entirely make sense of the storyline. God trusted God's very self totally and completely and in full bodily form to the care of a woman. Get this phrase, God needed women for survival. Before Jesus fed us with the bread and wine, the body and blood. Jesus himself needed to be fed by a woman. He needed a woman to say, this is my body given for you. Wow. Can we step into the possibilities of let it be? 
Every Monday out at, the, at our Amity campus on Maple Grove, a number of us gather and we work in the food pantry that was established during the pandemic. We attempt to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We attempt to stretch some people's reality a little bit, maybe help their month make ends meet. And our food pantry serves whoever shows up. Two weeks ago, it was 37 families. Last week, it was a new record, 42 families. When I say families, I mean, here's what it represents. It represents children and adults and seniors. That first week, that was 160 people were fed in our little choice food pantry. And there are moments when I'm working in the pantry for those that are number 36 or number 37 where I'm like, oh, there's not a lot left. Most of the fresh vegetables are gone by then. And we're down to less choice. It's a choice pantry. They can shop. They can choose some dignity, what they need in their family with some options. And sometimes I have to go, um, that is the choice. That's what's left. But I can tell you, no one went home hungry. They went home with lots of frozen meat and fresh milk and eggs and bread. And some got fresh vegetables and some got canned vegetables. And and it's one of the ways you and I get to be the hands and feet of God. And you might go, I can't do Mondays. Mondays, I'm too busy. Well, you can then make sure you send some food, some canned meats. You can drop it off there at the Amity Caves. You can drop it off here. We'll get it there. You can make sure there's good cereal. You can make sure anything your family would eat I have to confess, when I was a kid and it was food pantry day Sunday at the church, I would go through the the cupboard and pick all the things I hated, (laughs) right? Asparagus, someone will like that. Lima beans, someone will like that, right? Canned corn, yep, we can give all that away, you know. I've learned to shop differently. Now I think, what would my kids want? What would I want? And that's what I take. You can go, if you got the email this week, the church email, you can scroll down through it about three or four ways down. You will find there's a link that says, if you want to sign up to serve, here's how you do that. Here are the jobs every Monday. You might, this might be something you want to do as a family and say, we want to do this once a month, once a quarter. We want to be the hands and feet of God. If not there in the lobby today, you'll hear about friendship feasts that takes place here every Sunday. Maybe that's where you want to say, Yes, like Mary, may it be to me as you said, I'm a servant, let it be. In the Gospel of Matthew, there's this moment where Jesus has just received horrible news. He hears his cousin John the baptizer has been murdered. King Herod had John killed for his, the way his theology challenged his life. And Jesus, the text says, withdrew to the lonely places. That's, it's what we do in grief. We withdraw. He withdrew to the lonely places. And the text says in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, when Jesus heard the news about John, he left there in a boat, to, went to a lonely place for himself. The people heard about it, so they left their towns and they followed him by land. And then Jesus gets out of the boat and the people have gathered. And he could say, you know, it's my day off. Let it be right? He could say, it's, I'm here to get away from you. Let it be. But instead, the text says he has compassion on the people, and he spends the day teaching them how to live a godly life. It, toward the end of the day, the, the disciples come, and they say to him, it's enough. Some people here say that to me. 
It's enough. Let us go, right? It's enough. They say, let the, let the people go home. They're hungry. They, now their bodies are hungry. They need to go so they can stop and buy food. And Jesus goes, ah, let it be. You feed them. And they go, we thought you'd ask that. We've taken an inventory. We got five loaves and two fish. So we're proving to you, you need to let it be. Let them go. And Jesus says, five loaves and two fish, perfect, perfect. Let's pray. And he prays over them, he blesses them, he breaks them, he gives them to them and says, hey, now share that with everybody. When you have, don't you wish the Bible had pictures? Wouldn't you have loved to like see their face when he said, share this with everybody? Like, well, that won't take long, right? Share this with everybody. And then the text says, they all ate and were satisfied. Whisper words of wisdom. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Words of wisdom were spoken on this day 59 years ago. On this day in Washington, D.C., the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and said those powerful words from Isaiah, I have a dream. King went on to say, I have a dream. I say to you, my friends, though, even though we face difficulties today and tomorrow, it could be as if he said it today, I still have a dream. A dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all are created equal. Wow. King went on to say, I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. In other words, he said, all means all. He said, I have a dream that one day, even in the state of Idaho, I mean, Mississippi, <laughs> a swelter that's sweltering with the heat of injustice and sweltering with the heat of oppression, it will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. Wow. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day when all of God's children, black and white, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, good and great God Almighty, we are free at last. Wow. When the brokenhearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer. Let it be. Well, here's the action steps today. How do we, how do we let it be? Well, let me give you three norms of followers of Jesus. One is followers of Jesus give. And I encourage you, many of you do this already. Many of you signed up online, you give regularly. So you've, you've signed up, you've kind of set it and forget it. You give regularly, electronically, either through your bank or through our church website. If you're new here and you're trying to find a way to connect, you know, and say, I want to be part of the cathedral, giving is a natural part of what followers of Jesus do. So I encourage you to sign up online or take one of the envelopes home and say, you know what, we want to give consistently. We want to give regularly. We want to be the church. Second, serve. 
followers of Jesus serve. It's just, it should be a natural response to the world that we serve, that we say, put me in coach, where can I be? And if you can't find the place today, you can stop in the lobby, hear about Friendship Feast, you can hear about the Hillside Junior High reading program, restarting the reading program with tutors, with a lot of kids who are living in this country, maybe their parents have just moved here as refugees and they're learning English perhaps as a second language. We wanna be the hands and feet of Jesus that says, well, let's, let's, let's teach you to read. And then third, include. That's why small groups are important because small groups are one of those places where we learn to include each other. You will inevitably hear in a small group of you that you go, <laughs> you might have to hide it. I can't believe you think that. And we worship together. And then you may learn their story and go, I know exactly how you got there. I see how you got there. And I can stay at the table with you as we figure this out together. Inclusion isn't just a slogan, inclusion is work. And so that's why a small group's important because hopefully you'll be with Republicans and Democrats and independents. Hopefully you'll be with a, a diversity of people and a diversity of theology that expands your experience of God and allows you to see God in new ways. Let it be. Pray with me. God, thank you for the privilege of worship today, for the gospel according to the Beatles that reminds us to let it be, to, to step into the possibilities, to listen for your call, to answer like Mary, I am your servant, let it be. May we be a church that serves and may we be a church that gives, may we be a church that includes as we seek to be the faithful followers of Jesus Christ. It's in the name of Christ we pray, amen, amen. Yeah.